97.9 The Box is the man had a morning show. Comedian Gary Owen is in the building. Yeah. Thank you. It's the How hoodie morning show. Yeah, it's the hoodie. Everybody got their hoodies on. Yeah. Everybody, uh, we have. Uh, we should all have the same color. You got blue on. But that's okay. That. That's okay. You didn't get the memo. I'll take my No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Because I think people know who Gary Owens is. They've seen, they seen what? the movie. Why are you really taking it off? No, don't take it off, man. Are you? <laughs> he doing it because it's hot. The bitch is hot. That's why he's taking it off. Um... How do you com- how do you maintain being funny? No. How do you maintain being funny when so because in the, if you've been watching the news, just shootings here and this bad there and stuff is going on with politics. How do you continue to be funny during that time? I think that's when comedians need it the most. It's a relief from it. Mm-hmm. You know, people, it's an escape. Because I, I made a constant decision. My openers and me, I said we're not doing uh, we're not doing Trump jokes because really? I feel like we get it force fed to us twenty four seven. And I'm not that bright, so I don't know enough about politics and all that stuff. I'm like, we're just going to stay clear, you know what I mean? I always tell people, if you want to know how I feel about politics, just go to D.L. Hughley's page. He pretty much says what I feel, but he knows how to do it in a way that I said, that's what I wanted to say. Well, you better, well, I don't, D.L. can be very um, in the middle of the street and uh, uh, very direct and, and hurtful to those that, I guess, are on the other side of that. Uh, but I do like it. His he's right. He's usually on point with whatever he's saying. So I feel you on that. But I always just thought it was interesting. You know, so much is happening, and can you draw from this negativity for your comedy when these negative things are happening? You know what I'm saying? And turn it around. That's our job. Yeah. Is make the uncomfortable comfortable. You know what I mean? That, oh, I mean that's our that's our job. But over the last few years, you know what? It, to me, it seems like comedians don't. They're not able to be. As free as they once were. It seemed like if you say something, somebody's feelings, it just seemed like... No, I, I, I disagree because what happens is you have a few people that make the noise. Mm-hmm. And then we, people think, oh, comedians, we got to filter ourselves. If you go to a stand-up comedy show, whether it's a theater or a comedy club, we're not changing our act, you know? It's just those every now and then somebody will say, I'm offended, and they'll come out. Right, and The problem exactly. with stand-up is when you go see a, a music concert, you know what you're getting. You know you're getting the hits in the show. Right. You never know what you're getting at a stand-up show because right. we're coming with new stuff. So a lot of times we don't meet the expectations that you think you're going to hear. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to hear this, but this guy said this, mm-hmm. and then they get offended. Right. You know what I mean? Because we're, we're the only art form where you don't know what you're getting when you walk into the room. This is true. And you have a le- level of expectation. Like, I talk about my wife, and she's black, and I'm mixed. What if I just got on stage and be like, I love Asian chicks? They'd be like, I didn't expect that from Gary. You know what and I mean? You, and you'll get in trouble. Right. And, and black women will be like, oh, I knew it. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, there is a level of expectation, and that's why stand-ups, that's when people get offended. Because we don't live up to your Do expectation. You I don't. At all. You're not scared to take, which I already know the answer to this, but for those that may not, are you scared to take the heat that comes along with when you do that one joke that's going to piss off everybody? Well, I had I had, a, I had an incident last year where I got a, I got a special needs cousin. Mm-hmm. And I talked about her during my act, and I had all these special needs advocates come after me. How dare you say that and talk about her? And I, I, I made fun of when I used to volunteer at the Special Olympics with her, mm-hmm. and they, they took offense to it. So I had to go D.C. and... Meet with these special needs people and their advocates. So it was just, I and I, that's why I told him. I said it, it ain't the special needs people I'm uh, uh, upset about. with. It's your advocates because mm. you keep telling them they're less than. I don't look mm. at it like that. I think everybody is. You can make fun of everybody. That's right. So everybody's on equal ground, you know. I, I and I said I got a cousin special needs. I got a cousin Joey. He's tall. 
I was just describing them. Mm-hmm. You guys took it like, oh, they can't defend themselves. Well, they can. I'm sitting here talking to them. Right. So, so you don't temper. You you will not temper change your comedy thinking that oh this one's gonna rub them the wrong way. Not doing it. No, I know I know how far to push the envelope without going too far. Like and I'm obviously good. I'm obviously not gonna say the M word. Right. That exactly. Gets me and I used to love the it way it is hot in this I, studio. Yeah, it is hot. <laughs> this beer, I'm man. baking. You got a 97.9 towel. <laughs> That boy is sweating. I'm sweating like crazy. You know what it was? I drank hot coffee. That boy like Pookie over My here. problem. I'm open the door. Everybody think I'm on Coke. <laughs> that boy is sweating. I'm God, leaking God, right now. You might have a towel around here somewhere. Watch this. I'm going to be like this. <laughs> this happened to me one time on Sway, too. I came on and I did the same thing. I drank something hot and I came on. The studio was hot and the lights was on. I go, Jesus Christ. So it happens. You be all It's right, fine. Man. So the end is word is the only thing you won't say in comedy. I used to love right. the, I love the comedy routine. I know you don't do it anymore. Probably when you used to bring your friend on stage and you didn't say the word. Yeah. And then you did that whole. I used yeah. to love that. I'm like, should I love this? I like. I do. Is it, it was a very inventive way to do this bit. But Be- then somebody stole it and made a skit of it on Showtime. Dude, I'm just. Are you serious? Him. Yeah, Showtime had a show called Chocolate Sundays, and they literally took my joke and made it a sketch. And I knew they stole it because I called the producer. I said, yo. Um, oh, wow. You called him out on it. I said, "You who wrote the sketch? So I want to know where to direct my <laughs> anger. And he couldn't tell me who wrote it. He goes, oh, no, we have a think tank. I go, so you don't know who wrote it? I said, that tells me all I need to know. Mm-hmm. I said, somebody stole that. They know they stole it, too. Yeah, they know they stole it. And um, I, don't, I don't call women the B word mm-hmm. or hoes in my act either. And my wife told me that. They go, you... Your fam, you have a big black female fan base. She mm. goes, eliminate those words from your act, and then you're you're showing us that you can pretty much say whatever you want, and you're respecting uh, women. Is that crazy? Here it is. You're, I get it. You, you have a black wife. I get it. Mm-hmm. But for your fan base to be these women who love Gary, this white guy, not is on that, coke. Is, 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 <laughs> <laughs> he's not on coke. He's just. It's just. It's, it's not. not here we're for used you. to it, y'all. Jesus uh, Christ, Jimbo. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gary. I feel, I feel like Samuel Jackson in a time to kill. <laughs> Sweating that whole movie. You know? Sweaty Jackson. He, he was innocent. He was sweating. <laughs> I go, Sam, you're good. I forgot what I was saying. What did I, what did I just leaking. ask Gary? What did I just ask Gary? You just made me forget what uh, I just asked. Women fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your fam, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that ever odd for you? That, you know, you got all these black women who love and adore no. you? No. <laughs> I'm happy to have a fan base. I, like I said... It's nice to have any segment of society that like you, you know? And what I found out, I went to Essence this year for the first time, and what I did find out about black women is when they get Uh-oh. drunk, I become Tommy from Power. Ah! That is what happened yeah. at Essence. <laughs> really? I took more pictures oh, as Tommy. I could, I could kind of sort of see Oh, it. my I God. I see it. I see it. They I were see. like, literally, I was walking around New Orleans. They was like, Tommy! I go, I'm not here. And they go, you scared? Go say here. Go say here. You ain't got to be scared. I was like, no, I'm not him. Literally, I'm not him. And literally, I was like, by the end of Essence, I was just like, watch season six. I was just, I took a lot of pictures of Tommy. When you start, okay, for, let's go back. Oh, I'm starting to adjust. Uh-oh. I feel my, my body starting to adjust this heat. I opened the door to it's cooler. So when you first start, how, do you know that, because I'm just assuming, this is it's a big assumption, that most of your fan base is black. Mm-hmm. When you first start doing comedy, is this where Gary thinks that his career is getting ready to go? Um, it was, you know, when I first started, I could only, I couldn't get up on the mainstream rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so there was, I was in the military. There's a couple of black guys I was in the Navy with, and they told me about the quote unquote hood spots I could go to. Mm-hmm. So I used to go. I used. To, that's why I used to hit all the black spots when I first started doing stand up because I could get on stage, and then to. Uh, a bigger extent, I, I was just trying to find any place that had a stage and a microphone. So a lot of times I would go to karaoke bars. Instead of singing, I would tell jokes. And so they got to know me. And a lot of the guys ran the karaoke spots. And this is back in San Diego when I started. You know, it was like they had black people was coming to those karaoke spots I would go to. So mm-hmm. I kind of built a, like a little following in the San Diego area. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because Nick Cannon... Uh, he was in a rap group called The Bomb Squad. Yep. And, yeah. and it was him and another guy. Yep. I don't know where the other guy is. That dude's like Brian <laughs> Duckelman with American Idol. Now they had Ryan Seacrest and Brian. I don't know where he's at, but Nick became Ryan Seacrest. And I don't know where the other dude is in The Bomb Squad. But I remember, I'll never forget, so I'm doing stand around San Diego. I go up to L.A., and Magic Johnson had the talk show for like oh, a couple months called The Magic Hour. And when when he saw me on stage and he was like, yo, we're going to bring you in to possibly be the co-host. So I'm literally at my house in San Diego. I'm dubbing VHS tapes to show magic, trying to put a highlight reel together. Mm-hmm. And Nick comes over and Nick and his manager came over. Nick was like 17. I was like 21. And he goes, man, I think I'm going to do stand up. I said, you should, man. So Nick started doing stand up. It was funny because the first couple of times he went on stage, he was doing other people's jokes. Not on. He didn't know. So he like went on stage and he did this joke. I said, Nick, that's so-and-so's joke. He goes, yeah, I saw it last night. I thought it was funny. Oh. I said, no, 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 you can't do that. You got to do your own joke. He goes, oh. He just didn't know. It wasn't like he was stealing the steal. He just was 17 and was like, that was funny. I'm going to tell that on stage. <laughs> but he was doing, you But know, did he tell it funny, though? Yeah, he was still funny. <laughs> but he, uh, he, uh, God damn, I am really leaking mad at him. This is funny. I'm so sorry, man. I feel like I'm being a terrible host, My man. My God. I'm going to take mine off, too. Maybe, maybe if we take, look, because I wear black on black yeah. on black on, and I'm very black, too. Let's so. change the name of this to 97.9 The Fan. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe me take, well, ain't no bet. I got a thermal shirt. On right. that. Jesus God, Christ, I'm bro. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm thinking he got a toboggan on. <laughs> Hatter got. This is so funny. Hatter took off his sweater so maybe you could get cool. Right. <laughs> I, I, just, I just feel bad, man. I feel like we're being bad hosts right now. Nah, you guys, it's, it's my fault. I shouldn't drink. Is Jimbo sweating? No, nah, you know Jimbo's not sweating. He's Look cool, at him. Cool, calm, collected. Well, oh, because he's white. I mean, I maybe it's a white thing. That's where I wore a short sleeve. Gary came in wearing a. Uh, I did wear a hoodie. I looked yeah, at the weather. It was like 55 degrees. Yeah, it's cool out there. Warm mm-hmm. in here, though. So it's yeah. just the way it is. Uh, yeah, but Nick and then Nick started doing his thing. And I remember we went up to Oakland, California together and we did the Bay Area Black Comedy Competition. And that's where Disney and some real execs was there. They saw Nick. And then next thing you know, he was the warm up on all that. And then the rest is history. Wow. So, so that was an interesting little comedy history lesson. But, you know, but you hear these stories about Nick, too, man. He's turned out to be, I'm, I love Nick, by the way. I call him Goldie because he was honest. He, we see, he comes here very often. And uh, he used to say he had his show so he could date certain women. Use it to get certain women. It's worked I'm, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that. <laughs> I believe, as he should. I'm you're, not, you're no. an idiot if you're I'm, not. I'm not mad. Hey, I want to get person real quick. By the way, uh, this weekend, Gary Owens at the Improv. How many shows? Tonight, Saturday, you got Sunday? Two shows Friday. Saturday's gone. We're, we just added a third one. So Saturday, Saturday sold out already. Yeah, but we added a third one, and then we got a show Sunday. Three shows on Saturday? Yeah. But, wow. Yeah, it's not that bad. What? It's not. Look, it's not. There's there's people really punching the clock. 
<laughs> there's garbage men. There's freaking people picking up garbage. Okay, okay. When, you, when, you know, you bring, when you break it down like shows, that, I can I handle it. So do you I ever you. get nervous before the shows? You've been, you're a pro. You've been doing this for so long. Do you ever get nervous still? I get nervous on radio stations when it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> <That's good. laughs> I knew it. Because the rumors are going to come. Ah, yeah, it was coked out on the Matt Hatter show. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Maybe if you were it acting erratic or something, they might right. say you was on some just, coke just, or something. <laughs> yeah, you like, you kept doing like that. Yeah. Hoodies, so. yeah. yeah, how'd you get started, man? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But fair question, does Gary at this point, does he even get scared to hit a stage or is no. it just as natural? Are you never no. nervous about any jokes, how they're going to go over? Uh-uh. No? Uh-uh. Really? I get anxious. I don't get nervous. Like to really, I'm ready to go on stage and do my thing? Yeah, I I, I miss those days. I miss like the open mic when, when you make a phone call and you don't know if you're going on that night and then you call them back at like 9 o'clock. They go, yeah, you got the, you got the 11 o'clock to 11.05 spot tonight. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going up. And then the butterflies come and then you're just excited to get on stage. Now it's a business, you know? Now you're like, okay, I, I got my home run jokes. I know what'll hit the crowd. And I try to, you know, I try to get the crowd to like me. So I try to do local stuff first. Mm-hmm. Houston's easy. There's a lot of stuff going on in Houston all the time. But What do you do if a joke goes bad? If you just tell keep a joke it moving. Oh, no, like this. Never happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't remember last time a joke went bad. What about uh, this? the reality show that you were doing? I thought that was absolutely great. I, I was surprised that you did it, too, because it's so intimate when somebody allows a camera in their home around their kids. Yeah, that was, that was that and was. And I was, was very I was very surprised. I was like, oh, wow. Well, a lot of people didn't know T.I. was executive producer on that, and T.I. helped put the show together. And it was random how the show came about. I literally, I meet with this lady named Stella who was Mariah Carey's old manager. I feel like I'm name dropping now. But <laughs> but I just it was a it was a general meeting. Mm-hmm. As I'm having the meeting with Stella, TI walked in. And then TI said, "Hey, what's up, man?" So we started talking. We're just at a restaurant. I think we were at the, we were at the Four Seasons Beverly Hills in the restaurant. And TI walked in and then he just joined the conversation, right? Out of left field. He was meeting with somebody else for something else. And then so he comes in, starts talking to me and Stella. And then Stella goes, I'm going to get, I'm going to, he's got an interesting story. I'm going to get a reality show with him. And T.I. goes, it sounds cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smiling, showing right. teeth. So then I started talking to him about it. And general conversation went to something else. Next thing I know, we're at, we're at Buna Murray. The same people that did like the real world and the Kardashians. That's what they do is reality TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, T.I.'s there. And then we put the show together. And that was what I always asked them was I was like, Yo, my kids, uh, you know, that's the ones I'm worried about. And he goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, dude, I went through the same thing with mine. He goes, just preparing for social media because, you know, they're going to get, there's going to be people like, why she got that on? Why she act like that? You know, mm-hmm. she stuck up or whatever. He said, but it's funny because if you go to season two, watch how they change, though. He goes, because season one, they'll be like, I don't want to work. I don't want to do this. Season two, they'll be like, okay, I need a stylist. I got to make sure I look good in this. I notice so I look good your, in blue. Your kids are actually going to change. Yeah. Well, we're not. We yeah. got canceled. Your so, show, I thought the show was pretty good. We didn't get canceled because of the show. We got canceled because BT overhauled the network. And um, everyone, like Stephen Hill left and Deborah Lee, everybody got you, got that got, got our it. show, like Viacom came in and cleaned house and we just got caught up. Why did up. you just take it to another network or something like that? I mean, it, that sounds easy, but it's, you. you know, it's, it's, it's not, you. it's not it's that not reality. easy. It's not reality, I got you. Yeah, it's not that easy. I mean, it does happen, mm-hmm. but it, you know, our show was cool and we held the audience from Real Husbands, but it wasn't like Empire. Where, like, you know, uh, 20 million people no, watched the Round the Bat. I thought it was interesting because, you know what, 
not often on TV do you see the dynamics of a of a mixed family, and an honest mm-hmm. an honest mixed family. You know what I'm saying about yeah. what happens and dealing with the dynamics of that. So I thought that's what made it an interesting watch. Yeah, I believe me. I would have loved to have been do ten seasons. It was I got easy. You. I got you. But I got you. you know, like they everything you're getting, you would though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But everything got taken off BET. I mean, Real Husbands, Be a Mary Jane, everything just got, nobody realized Oh, you know, it. I didn't even think about that. You everything sure got right? Everything yeah. just got wiped clean, and Viacom King goes, all right. And all I think they were doing, they was like, we're just going to get rid of everything and try to figure out where we what want the network be. to go. Okay. And we just got cut up in that after season one. It would have been lovely if that would have happened after season five. But it happened you. every season one. I got you. I got you. But I got. I always got. Well, I enjoyed all this it. stuff. I, actually, I literally up. enjoyed. I watched every episode. I enjoyed the show. Oh, I appreciate you it. You and the best friend thing there. That was an interesting dynamic. Having the best friend living in your home in the basement. Yeah, yeah. That wouldn't have been me, J yeah. Mac. I love you, brother, but you gotta I have your no spot. Live in the basement. Mm-hmm. We had yeah. one rule: no hoes in the house. <laughs> no hoes in the house. I don't know how you manage that because he's a grown ass <laughs> man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hey, red roof ends are sixty nine dollars a night. <laughs> Ain't that expensive. It adds up. It adds up. You know what what I mean? a, now, what about the? Have you heard anything about the movies with them doing parts two, three, four, five, six? Are they going to extend that brand with the movies? Uh, which one? Think like a man. Yeah. Or Meet the Black. Uh, yeah. Any of them. I, well, Meet they the Blacks. We did do part two. Okay. And what's crazy about Meet the Blacks two is, uh, I died in the first one, completely died in Meet the Blacks. Right? <laughs> they shot me in the back. I, I died. Remember this scene. I was I was the killer. I was the purger. The lead purger. And then they shot me in the back at the end of the movie. I just run the movie for people who didn't see it. And then uh, <laughs> the director calls like, "Yo, Gary, man, we're doing a sequel." I was like, "But I died in it the first one." He, he was like, "This, yeah, we ain't worry about that." What? What? Like, literally, <laughs> when I tell you I'm playing a completely different character and nobody brings it up, like I'm playing a completely different person. I was like, "Who does that?" Like, you imagine they did Boys in the Hood 2 and more chances just walking down the street. Like, is that Ricky? Nah, Bobby, man. I look at that a lot, man. I, I, guess like I guess that's a legitimate point. Very legitimate point. But it is what it is. But it is a good movie. Cat's in it. Mike's in it. Duval's in it. Uh, Blackson's in it. It's, I, it's nice when you got somebody like Deion Taylor's a director of it, and he sees the value in comedians and bringing them together. Because a lot of times we don't. It's like, lately when you hear about comedians, we're always beefing. And I was going to ask you about that too, because I, I saw you 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 jumped in a beef, very tactful about it. Which one? Well, the one where, <laughs> um, which one? Baby girl, um, Monique. Yes, you jumped. Well, I thought in Monique it. was at. This is where I thought Monique was at a line when I I she I, put one of your partners out there, and so you kind of well, like, she compared Wait a minute. Will Packer to Harvey Weinstein, and that's what I went. That's a little too far. Okay, you're talking about a a, a sexual predator against probably one of the most upstanding individuals I know. Mm-hmm. Is Will Packer, and I just took up for him. And I and listen. I never called Monique at her name. I never said I don't want nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. I just went. If you got problems with a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons, might be. it might be you. And that was my thing. I was like, there, I, there was no. I made sure I didn't disrespect her in any way or anything like that. I just went, come on, Mo. You know, well, I ain't like that. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know it. Ask anybody in this business. Because yeah, I never really see you jump into the fray, so to speak. So I was surprised when I saw that. I know, and I know, I know, I know you was like, this now, is a stand-up on, guy, sugar. so I'm going to say something. <laughs> Wait, did she yeah. call you? Hey, love. Nah, hey, love. she said something. But I mean, I get it. Like, I I, I, I try to stay clear. That, like, even the beef between me and Michael Blackson was fake. Let cats out the bag. We were texting each other. Say mm-hmm. this, say this. Because I would go to Mike's page, <laughs> and they was like, damn, Mike, you killing Gary. I go, he should. I wrote him the joke. Ah! 
<laughs> I told him what to say. <laughs> so who is your favorite comedian? Who is All time? Yeah, like who is your favorite? Who's All time Bernie Mac. Okay. Without question, yeah. Bernie Mac. Oof. And Dude, it was it was right one there. thing oh, where man. Bernie did on stage. It was more the 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 man he was off stage hmm. that made me such a fan of his. Okay. You know, just how he carried himself and great, great Bernie Mac story that probably nobody's ever told. So I did a movie called College, which came out in 2008, and it tanked at the box office. We came out on Friday. We was a blockbuster on Tuesday. <laughs> but we shot it in New Orleans, and everyone that worked on College had just come off of Pride, the movie with Terrence Howard and Bernie. I'm talking about the, the crew and the craft service people, because they, they left New Orleans, and we came in. And um, Bernie, I guess every like Friday, Bernie would like, buy the bar out for two hours so the cast and crew could just like bond and drinks and you know just okay. come together and and Bernie's only rule was drink what you normally drink so if you drink Bud Light don't be ordering Louie all of a sudden oh now you have a palate for Louie <laughs> you know so every every you know every week it was the same stuff Bernie bought the bar all of a sudden they're about five six weeks into shooting Bernie gets the bill and there's two bottles on the bill and Bernie's like why would somebody order two bottles and everything's free just order a drink so Bernie brings, Bernie brings everybody to his trailer like Monday morning and starts going off. I told you MFs, drink what you normally drink, and you took advantage of my generosity. <laughs> going off. And like, like really cuts everybody out. And then everybody leaves. And the director comes to Bernie and is like, Bernie, man, can you bring everybody back together? Because people are nervous to work with you today because they think you're upset. Bernie's like, all right. Everybody comes back to Bernie's trailer. He goes, it's been brought to my attention. <laughs> That this you guys like are nervous <laughs> to work with me, baby. You weren't nervous to drink with me every Friday from six to eight for the last six weeks, but now you're nervous? I was like, oh, oh. The director just put his hands up and left. Like, really? So I was like, well, that's classic Bernie. Did y'all find out who bought the they two bottles? They said it was a wardrobe assistant. It was oh. some girl ruined her whole career, and she put two bottles in her purse. Wow. And, this, wow. and honestly, this is a story I got from a crew member, you know? And it got validated by a couple other crew members. But uh, Was so your I, career I, worth two bottles? <laughs> Wardrobe wow. assistant. And That's then you funny. had to realize it was going to be somebody like that. It was going to be somebody low on the totem pole that, you know, mm, the whole crew, was it worth it? Two liquor bottles? Wherever she is right now, wish we could ask. Right. Yeah. If you know what I mean. She's probably at Chipotle. <laughs> Brown rice or white rice. Right <laughs> <laughs> By the way, no Chipotle. I'll see y'all later this yeah, afternoon. Chipotle is tasty. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I thought you had a quote. No, I mean... um, your family. How did they take your black wife? I'm just curious. I mean, I'll get the CTV. I don't, well, I don't want to get too... If you okay. tell the reality show, it's fine. I don't I don't have any relationship with my mom. Oh, I don't real? have I don't any know. relationship See. with my stepdad because, you know, I got I got a family. Uh, they're, they're all black sheets, and I'm the white sheep. Usually you got a black sheep of the family. Mm -hmm. Right. My family, you know, I, I talk about it from a trailer park. I got one brother. He passed away of a heroin overdose. My other brother's in prison for dealing wow. heroin. And, it, you know, it's just it's just dysfunction. So I'm I'm a better person not being around that. I can't mm -hmm. be around it. You don't think your celebrity and your money has will be a uh, has brought you where you can heal the some of the pain since you have made it so personal big. Personal pain no, or I, the, family I, I, the family pain? Oh, you know, no, I, I, listen, it's still my mom. So even though I have nothing to do with her, I when things go left, I, I take care of things. Okay. What are you supposed to do? 
Like my 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 brother needed to go to rehab, I sent him. I okay. picked him up, drove him to rehab, paid for rehab. You uh-huh. know, my mom's car broke down. I got her a new car. Okay. I still take care of things. I just from can't, a distance. I can't be around it. It's just it's too dysfunctional and you know, it's just Damn, that's pretty big of you. It just I mean, brings it down. Cause a lot of people I'm one of those kind of people when I cut you off, I probably I, I cut you off. So to hear that I stay my distance, but I'm gonna still take care of my family no matter what, that's incredible. Well, that makes me respect the comedian way more than for all the comedic stuff that I've known you for. Yeah. Well, I mean, you That's know, you got to be real. I, I was in her stomach for nine months <laughs> and she didn't have an abortion. So I'm not here without her. So I, I figure that's the least I could do. And it's a, you know, it's it's a. I mean, but it's to be saluted, gay for real. I mean, well, if you read a book, there's a book out there called Hillbilly Elegy. And it's by a guy named J.D. Vance. And Ron Howard's about to turn the book into a movie. But it, it really gives an insight, and it helped me insight into that mentality of I'm from Ohio, I grew up in a trailer park, and, and like broke white people are the most pessimistic people on the planet. They don't find joy in anything. So they always look for the negative. Mm-hmm. And that's what my, my family's caught up in. Like I had a con- last conversation I had with my mom probably four years ago, and I had said, how you doing? And she said, you know, just living paycheck to paycheck like everyone else. And I go, I'm not. I'm not living like that. And it but it I hit I me, I go, Oh my God. She surrounds herself with, that with those people that and and that's a big reason why why Trump won. Ooh. You know, like you had listen, you, you, you had, wanna go there, sir. No, but it, it, it's honestly got truth. His campaign manager is the winner because you have, you know, you had LeBron and Diddy and all these celebrities endorsing Hillary, so they're hitting Atlanta and LA. Trump went into all these towns in like Ohio and Pennsylvania and Indiana and Kentucky, where you got all these broke white people. Mm. That are looking like it, it can't be us. It's not us. <laughs> well, whose fault is it? And Trump's like, look, I I see you. You you have a voice, and I believe in you. And he's like, so come out and vote for me. Just like black people came out and voted for Barack, all those broke white people they Voted came out their trailers and their section eight housing because there's a lot of white people in section eight housing too. They came out and voted for Trump. And that's what got. And I guarantee my Damn. family voted for him. I, there's not doubt so? my mind. You think so? My, my mom uh, and stepdad. Oh my god. Uh, they probably thought he was with them. You know? uh, so my, my mom. Listen. My up. mom probably voted for Trump because she's like he he let Brett Michaels win The Apprentice after he had a stroke. <laughs> How could I not shut vote for him? Holly Robinson P clearly was a stronger person. <laughs> but when he let Brett Michaels win, how can I not vote for him? Okay. okay. But then that puzzles me. So how do you break out from that? How That's did you break question. out? Uh, the the how did I? Yeah, yeah. from that. What makes you different from all the rest of them? I got I got lucky. I got lucky because the the people I befriended in high school, uh-huh. they they like I saw I saw a guy with a mom and dad, right. and I and I my 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 high school coaches. I was a terrible high school athlete, terrible. Well, my coaches looked out for me. Mm. You know, I did, I did on my reality show. I told a story. Look, your cameraman's taking a show off. It's freaking hot in here. <laughs> and now I'm adjusting. Now I'm good. No, now my, you're over there sweating like. <laughs> no, I um uh I had a coach one time. This is a true story. I I didn't show up to football practice on on Tuesday or Wednesday. And I'm I'm t- I'm in tenth grade. I'm not playing. I'm I'm like JV. I'm you know the team was fine without me. But Thursday morning, like literally, he got, he pulled me out of class and he goes, he goes, where you been the last two days? And I go, I just came up with an excuse. He goes, he goes, do we need you? He goes, so I need you to be at practice today. 
And all it did was like, whoa, I'm valuable to somebody. Because at wow. that point, I didn't, I didn't see my value. Mm. And literally, I was, I was doing nothing but walking home. There was a, it was about five miles from my high school to the trailer park. So we had a train track that ran behind the high school. So I just, I was, I literally just got out of school and walked the train track back home because it took a couple hours. And then I didn't know what I was doing. I just was just like, I didn't see the value in me. And that, that one incident where the coach pulled me out of class and goes, "We need you. We need. They didn't need me." You need you need this 135 pound five two forty on the field really <laughs> that's what you need. <laughs> but that one thing was the catalyst to make you see well, just, value it, in yourself and kickstart something inside. Right, of you. right. I was like, oh, okay, I'm important to somebody. Like somebody saw me and noticed me. And, and then to you this went day, to the army or navy, or navy. Yeah, the navy. What made you go there? It was a way out of the trailer park. They, okay. they was like we. I, I, I'd say I didn't know where I wanted to go. I just know where I didn't want to be. Were you funny at this time? Oh, I was class clown, most okay. obnoxious, prom king. I was all that. <laughs> I was good at high school. Like once let that hit, I was good. I was popular and everything. So why did you get the funny from? Was it from your mom or your dad? No, well, a little family? bit of both. My my real dad's funny. Like my real dad wasn't around growing up, but now we've we've reconciled and we're good now. But they, my mom and dad had me in high school. I, was, I always said I was a homecoming baby because my birthday's in July. I was That means I was conceived in October. Mm. So was, my dad had a great time at the dance. <laughs> you know? So how did you reconnect with your daddy? And do you do your daddy understand your mom right now and why she's like the Oh, way he she can't. Is? He is. He is. Yeah, he's he's not as forgiving as me with really? her. Yeah, because he's because, you know, there was a there was abuse in the house. My dad was abusive. So. He did, and a lot of people like that. They don't understand how a mother could allow that to happen to a kid. Mm. And and you know, I, and looking back on, it, yeah, she probably should have stepped in and did something. But it, I mean, like I said, I, to me, it's I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. solid. But my dad isn't as forgiving. But he wasn't around either growing up. Mm. Right. So now, how do you explain that to your kids? How do you tell your kids, like, hey? What do you tell them? I mean, I don't know. And well, they they only you know they they just know a better do, him. They I mean, don't, I know. Don't do know. they ask? Well, hey, where's your mom? Do they ask about your? They mom know. And I why? mean, we're not. We're they're old enough. We we tell them. They they know what's going on. They uh -huh. saw. They saw my. You know, they went to my brother's funeral. They know one's in prison. Uh huh. They, they I mean, it's in the news. My like we're living a. It's a small town in Ohio. Oh, it's still so to this day. They still live there. Uh -huh. So when my brother got arrested it was a it was big news in the town he was like front page of the paper because you know it was a it was a big drug bust you know wow he, he got he got caught he was he was high and dealing i go wow this guy's a beast oh. <laughs> smug is high and still dealing this guy's a monster <laughs> and how old are your kids uh 17 and 16 oh so they understand too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but they're good you know and, love being and a dad too yeah, I love being a dad, and it's funny because if you look at society, it, they would think it's the opposite. The black side is the functional. Everybody's good. Everybody's <laughs> went to college. Everybody's together, you know. And my side's all messed up. Trailer bark and everything else. Hell, my 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 stepdad. When we got married, my stepdad sucker punched my real dad at the wedding. What? Straight up. Peak. Oh my you know God! What I mean? Why? Nah. Why? Because he looked at me funny. Because my stepdad goes, he looked at me funny. No, all my life, all my life, all my life, all my kids' life, it happened. Wow! Yep, sucker punched him. Boom! Wedding was over. I was like, really? And my so wife was like, really? I was like, it's trailer park, baby. Trailer park, man. So you're really not supposed to be here sitting by us oh, wow. today, and this successful. Oh, I, I don't know. I think some. Some people have an inner spirit, and I always think, like, no matter what circumstance you put them in, they're going to come out. 
uh-huh. okay. Right. And I, even if I went a comedian, even I, I, mean, I used to sit in when I sat in the trailer park. I used to sit in my room and look out the front window, and I was like, I, I'm not going to be here. Uh-huh. I, I, this is not me. Uh-huh. This is not me. Thing. I'm not meant for this. Because I used to love going to, to big neighborhoods and see houses. And uh-huh. when I say big neighborhoods, I mean probably average neighborhoods. Right. But I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna have me a house. You know, <laughs> just a house. I don't care what kind of. I'm gonna get me a house. All right. Well, finally then. So what made Gary different than the rest of them? Not just your family, but those people that can't get out of that that rut that the trap. What do you think that was about you that was different? Yeah, I get that you said to yourself at an early age, I'm not going to be here. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think made you different that pushed you more? Even though, yeah, I get it. You said that there was a coach that gave you some mm-hmm. self-worth. But there has to be something in you that helps you get over the hump. I, it's You know, stand-up was probably it. Because even before I ever got on stage, I knew I was going to be a stand-up. I, oh. mean, I mean, I knew it. I told my guidance counselor in high school, she'll tell you. I was like, I'm going to be a stand-up. Because I didn't take the SAT or the ACT. They was like, you're not going to take it? I said, I don't need it. I'm going to be a stand-up. I don't need college. No, you don't understand. I'm going to be a stand-up. I used to tell her to high school, you should date me. I said, you should date me. I'm going to be a stand-up. I'm going to make it. And they were like, what? Now I go back to the reunions. I go, told you. Ah! <laughs> 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 kind of messed up, Tracy. <laughs> You've been quiet this whole time, Thank Jim. You. Sorry we, about we that. I was just listening. It's hot, Jim. Gary, Gary's a good uh, story. Jim's cool. Man, I didn't. some of this stuff I never really knew, some of this intimate stuff. That Thank you very much, Gary, for being honest and telling this story. I think it helps people when they hear this kind of stuff. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get out. You can get out. Yeah. Yeah, any broke white listeners, you can get out. I'm here for you. Jim I know it's a hip hop station, but I guarantee you, you got some boys in the trail park right now. You know what I mean? If Gary right, can, can do it, we can do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Somebody got like, who's that doing that voice right there? That was Gary, it wasn't me. No, thank you, Gary. Yeah, Appreciate you guys. Man. Thanks. Appreciate you checking out the Mad Hatter Morning Show podcast. Make sure you share, like it, tell your friends, even tell a foe. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Mad Hatter Morning Show podcast. And, of course, you can listen to the Mad Hatter Morning Show weekdays at 97.9 The Box, 5 to 10 Central, and download the app, 97.9 The Box. We appreciate it.